0: This is an email letter which will land in your inbox on Fridays sharing five of my favourite cultural or creative discoveries of the week. You'll find all that on lexonthedex.substack.com. Thank you and I hope you enjoy this episode of Hot Girls. And welcome to Hot Girls with me, Lex on the Decks. This is the show where we explore the music industry through intimate conversations on creativity and biography episodes, taking a look at the lives of iconic artists. On today's episode, I catch up with an artist who's got an incredible repertoire of songs behind her. She started her career as a songwriter. And if you've sung along to It's Just Too Little Too Late or Mal Horan's Slow Hands or Do It All In The Name Of Love then you've sung along to some Ruthann. And I mentioned those songs first because of the scale of their fame. But as an artist, she's also had an incredible career and is looking towards her next EP and album release. So, just how did this Irish girl navigate the LA pop scene at 17 years old? And how has she moved through her career? Ruth Allen on the Hot Girls podcast. Let's go.
1: Ladies, listen up. You're listening to Hot Girls. With Lex on the decks. We in the mix. It's fire. going. We are fire. From London. For the world. Let's go in. My parents used to put me up on a chair in the pubs on a Sunday when we'd be having our roast dinner, and I would sing apparently for people at four. And I would put a hat out when I was seven. <laughs> like I was put up on the top of McDonald's table singing Mariah Carey. I just remember always wanting to sing for people and entertain people, and I would go around people, gangs, probably not the, not the best thing to do when I was young and be like, I'll sing for you if you give me 50p. So, um, I just remember always singing, always wanting to learn songs and being just, yeah, obsessed with music really. I love that you um, put a hat out. (laughs) You're a hustler. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think when you're that age, you don't necessarily know you're good at something, But I didn't come from a very rich family. So my mom was like, well, if you want sweets, you know, if you want extra sweets. So sometimes I would do it just to get money so I could get me and my friend's sweets at the shops. Like it wasn't necessarily because I even was any good. It was just that I just loved doing it and wanted to get extra sweets. (laughs) (laughs) Were your family musical or creative at all? Yeah, there was a lot of instruments in my house and my parents are obsessed with music and they sing in church. So there was guitars, there was a piano, keyboards, and my mom and dad are known uh, to start the, the family sing songs wherever we go. So on holidays, we'd always be that family that would start a sing song and um, yeah, very, very musical family.
0: Yeah. So then did you learn instruments from a young age as well, sort of in the house or...
1: Yeah, my oh, dad, uh, my dad gave me like a two track tape recorder with the microphone. And that's where I started writing songs at like seven. And then I started teaching myself the piano at like 12 from ear. So I just started kind of, I think um, they attempted, I think they got me a guitar when I was eight. But and my dad attempted to teach me but I really didn't like the guitar. So I just stuck with the piano Um, And now I play a bit of guitar and ukulele. But at the time when I was eight, it like hurt my fingers too much. So I went with the piano. So Mm. I was kind of self-taught that. And my parents were really good. They kind of just let me lead. They were encouraging, but they weren't pushy. So, you know, they could see I preferred the piano. So they kind of nurtured that and weren't like, you have to play the guitar kind of thing. So
0: yeah. And I'm always really interested from uh, people who, like you, who gravitated towards something at a young age, but also had the resilience to kind of keep pursuing it. And I guess maybe because on a personal note, I was really interested in in certain things when I was younger, but I don't, when I look back, I'm like, oh, I didn't really have the, I didn't understand how committed you had to be to kind of build a craft. And yeah. do you think that was just a part of you as a young person, or you just genuinely were very happy tinkering away on the piano and practicing?
1: Yeah, I kind of was very weirdly obsessed with music and and how music is made. And I almost like was teaching myself vocals from a very young age without anybody really showing me. I just was watching singers. And I remember like my parents would say I would spend like two hours when I was 10 going over and over Mariah Carey riffs, like perfecting them. But no one was telling me to do it. I just... Mm would listen back and go, no, that's not good enough. And I was 10. It's quite strange. It was just in me to just be quite obsessed and committed to the craft of like vocals and performing and writing from a very young age. And then as I grew up, I started taking from every experience I was having in writing rooms and everything. I was just soaking up everything like a sponge. That was kind of the, the part of it that was like it's like a music college in a way when you're when you become a songwriter because you're just going around the industry and you're just soaking up everything like a sponge. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like I I always was very committed to the craft of it all and the skill of it all.
0: How did you get in your first room
1: as a songwriter? Can you remember the
0: first sort of experience?
1: Yeah, so from like 7 to 17, I really was writing songs 100% just in my bedroom. And I was in a girl band at the time uh, that I had formed in Ireland because I wanted to kind of hear the harmonies back. And and we had gotten some recording time through like my dad's friend. And so I'd written a bit with them a little bit, but not really. And then it was mainly me writing and producing everything. And then when I was 17 and I won this songwriting competition in Ireland and uh, a manager found me there who was managing Mark and Danny from The Script. And he brought me to LA, and it was my third day there. It was like my first ever real co-writing session, and I co-wrote To Little Late" by JoJo that day when I was seventeen. I had just finished my exams, first time ever in LA, and then it took two years for that song to come out. But yeah, it was uh, very surreal that that was my first real co-writing session.
0: Your first real co-writing session, and you wrote a song that has had probably more of a lasting. I don't, maybe it's just my age, but I'm like, that is a song that everybody I know knows all the words to. It's quite, (laughs) and probably you would have had no idea at that time that it would have
1: that lasting power. I had no idea. Yeah, no, because it was written for me and I could hear her sing it. And like when I was singing the demo, I was thinking of her Mm because to me it sounded so like a JoJo song. But yeah, it took two years to come out. And then when it just became such a massive hit, and then still to this day, you know when people know it so well, and they have a story about what they went through and what it means to them. It's actually really amazing to me that it's lasted the, that it's lasted the test of time.
0: Yeah, I just want to um, cycle back slightly to when you made that move to LA. Were you nervous? Were your family nervous?
1: Yeah, I think because I was only seventeen. I think we were all nervous, but I think also when you're 17, you haven't been damaged by anything in life. really. Mm. Well, I haven't been, I was quite sheltered. So I was quite fearless in a way and like ready to do it. And it was my dream and I was going to Hollywood and I'd never been to America before. And so it was all quite exciting, but it was, it was quite a lonely time. I would say, cause I was very young and I wasn't really around people my age over there. Everyone was older And I couldn't drink and I couldn't drive. And so I felt a bit isolated there. It was hard to make friends um, over there. And you're just kind of thrown into all these different rooms and you're kind of trying to figure out what it even is to be, you know, in the industry. So I Mm. think it was uh, a time, you know, a, a kind of an education of the music industry those first few years. But yeah, I was I was fearless then, I think. I actually think it's quite difficult to make friends
0: when you move to a new city, but you don't, like, what are your avenues for making friends? And I suppose the natural space for you because you're working would have been through work. But it's kind of like if you're not working with the same people over a long period of time, how do you build those deeper relationships where you feel kind of safe and secure and you know who you can trust I don't, I don't know what the process was like when you were writing were you in and out of different rooms a lot or were you working yeah you the, were the
1: constant Now constantly meeting new people it was like speed dating all the time like in a work way and so yeah it's very difficult to make friendships at last and also because everyone's so busy you could get on really well with someone at a session, but when would you see each other next? Because we're everyone's hustling, everyone's working all the time. Everyone in the industry is, you know, bouncing from session to session. So you could go months without seeing or a year without seeing that person again. So definitely very difficult to make friends um in the industry and it can be quite clicky and people have their clicks and you know you're like the newcomer and you're 17 and yeah so it was the first few years I didn't really like LA very much and I was going back and forth but um it was hard to find my feet there really yeah
0: who was um I know you said you went over there with someone who who worked with the script was managing the script did you have a consistent manager when you were out there or were you signed to a label the same label the whole time? Yeah, I had a consistent
1: manager for the first few years um, and then I moved management, you know, subsequently and I signed a publishing deal and stuff like that. But once I kind of had um, a solid team in place that make, made everything more solid because I had a team and I had people around me and everything like that, you know, so the 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 more I went into my career, the more kind of secure and more stable it got.
0: Yeah. When you, how how long were you actually in LA? How long did you stay out there
1: for? So I was going back and forth for the first few years and then I lived there for eight years and now I live back in the UK.
0: Yeah. So quite a long period of time focusing on, when you were initially doing the songwriting, were you also recording your own stuff that you wanted to kind of keep back for yourself as an artist or were you focusing on songwriting initially and then started to focus more on yourself as an
1: artist well actually when I first went over at 17 it was at my artist stuff so to little to lay all these songs are being written uh, for me as an artist mm-hmm. um, and as a singer and then it was when I had obviously that became a massive hit of course everybody was asking me to write oh we need Rusan to get in art for our artists that we have signed so I kind of transitioned into being a songwriter um, through that and then kind of was like okay well i've got my foot in the door and when you get your foot in the door you kind of just have to go for it i didn't come from money so i was like okay this is my way to fund my living here mm. so i kind of was like okay let's be as successful as i can as a songwriter and then i can do my artist stuff on the side and be working away at it but i think you always have to master one thing you can't it's very you can't give a 100 percent to both you have to kind of go one thing at a time. And which is really good advice that I got, you know, if you're 50, 50, if you're given half of yourself to either, you're not going to make either successful. So I kind of went for it a hundred percent on the songwriting since my foot was in the door. And then, um, I kind of circle back to being an artist. I just, then my, you know, I started just, it just, the, the stuff started falling out of me, the songs for my first album. And then I met like another manager who was like John Legend's manager, who was really loved my artist stuff. So it all kind of happened in the universal way it was meant to. You've written some incredible songs as Thank well as It Is Still Too Late.
0: And quite diverse songs as well, like for different, different styles.
1: Yeah. I'm a bit greedy with music genres. I love it. I love a lot of different music. So I like that I, my discography is all over the place because it's all the different styles of music that I love. So
0: I think it's cool though, because it's like, um, I can't remember who I was talking to this about, but ultimately as people, we have so many different sides to us and it can be a strange thing when someone knows you for one thing and they're like, yeah, just be more of that. But you're like, but I'm a human. I have lots of different sides, lots of different
1: ways to express myself. I have layers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But did you find there were certain people that you had really good collaborative, like that you worked with really well, like any nice creative partnerships that stood out to you during that period of time?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've had so many different creative partnerships that, um, and I like to keep it versatile, but um, like the Julian Bonetta and John Ryan, I did a lot of the, you know, all the, well, a lot of the, and direction stuff with and and um, some of the Niall Horan stuff and then also Matt Radd was another collaborator that I did like the In the Name of Love the B.B. Rex and Martin Garrick stuff and then a lot of Nile's first record with and and Dan Wilson was someone that I loved writing with and there's so many people that I've had really great probably, and I still have really good co- uh, creative collaborations with so The list is kind of endless, really.
0: Have you ever had an experience where you wrote a song and then maybe handed it over to someone or heard back the finished version and was like, eh, what have you done with my song?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think that's bound to happen when you're in the industry for as long as I've been now. It's been, what, like over 15 years. Sometimes, you know, the essence of the song gets lost and it's overproduced or the label gets, they over A&R and you kind of lose the magic of a song And then sometimes you get it back and the song is enhanced And it sounds even better than a demo And so it can kind of go either way But I've, I've been pretty lucky that I've really liked a lot of the versions that have come out I've been quite happy with a lot of them yeah. So I've been quite lucky in that way I think the people that I work with and that I have really good relationships with I think all understand that you've know that you got to do what's best with a song And at all times, it's about the song, not anyone's ego or, you know, everything like that. And so I've been really lucky to work with unbelievable producers who know exactly what to do to make the song sound the best.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned that you met John Legend's manager or or someone who was working John Legend at the time. And it was at a time when you were starting to want to focus on yourself as an artist. Can you talk a little bit about that process and that transition process for when you were able to start focusing more on yourself as an artist um, rather than a songwriter?
1: Yeah, so I was getting to a place in LA where I was feeling a little uninspired and unmotivated and that everything was just a little bit flat creatively for me. And I decided to go back to London and Ireland. And I said, I'm just going to write whatever I want to write. And I'd gone through a lot of the time and I felt like I had a lot of stories to tell, but you know, they were stories that I needed to tell. And sometimes when you're working with an artist or you're in with a lot of other songwriters, you don't get to fully tell your story because there's a lot of different cooks in the kitchen. So I think I needed time to just kind of write myself with just like me and a producer and no one else, you know, no, no one else. And I did that And in those three weeks, I wrote most of my first album, Matters of the Heart. And everything had this, you know, sound about it that I always was trying to get to in my teens and when I first started writing. And it felt like an identity as an artist and my voice and everything. It all started coming together. And when I started playing it for people, they were like, oh my God, this sounds like you. There's no one who Mm. could, this is you, this is you. And then at the same time, I didn't really know what I was going to do with it. I just felt really creatively fulfilled after I did those three weeks and I felt inspired again. And I felt like I'd gotten these stories out that I needed to tell. And, and then at the same time, there was a artist who is uh, signed to the same management as John Legend, Lindsay Sterling. And she had a song that she needed a feature vocalist on. And I was asked to vocal it. And through that I met the manager and, the management team, uh, friends at work who manage John Legend and Charlie Puth and Lindsay Sterling. And they were like, your artist trajectory is the same vibe as John, Le- you know, it's, it's like soul mm-hmm. and we know how to do soul. So they listened to my record, the record and they were like, this is amazing, you know. And so then we got a record deal and we started kind of Finishing the album and and do and starting being an artist and starting doing shows again and performing, which really made me realize how much I had missed all that because that's where I'm quite I'm very comfortable at home on the stage and I had.
0: real noom user compensated to provide their story in four weeks the typical noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week individual results may vary
1: been on the stage in a long time so Mm. that was when I was like wow it's so great that I can do both now I can be a songwriter and I can also be an artist and I have my listeners and followers for both and that's like where I've always wanted to get to so to find that balance was really amazing
0: I'm interested, and I don't know if this is something that you feel like, I'm interested in your perspective on this. I think yeah. some people, I'm always interested in this kind of conversation around gift versus craft and sort of natural talent versus something that you've built. As a singer and as a songwriter and as, a, as an artist, do you think your, your talent is something you were kind of, is a, is a gift or something that you've honed and developed within yourself?
1: I think my, oh, that's a good question. I think my gift is is singing because it's always been naturally what I've done since I was born. And I'd say that I've probably honed the skill of songwriting. I'd say that the gift of songwriting is definitely in there as well. But I think that songwriting needs crafting and, and you need to work on it. And it's a muscle that you need to build and, and you get better and better as you, the more that you write. But I would say I would say there was a gift in me to maybe know how to tell a story that can hit people in a unit like universally, maybe, or um know how to, to yeah, how to tell a story that get that connects with people. But I would say that, that songwriting definitely is something that needs um honing, whereas singing is something that I've always just very been very natural at. I've never been trained to be a singer, but it's where I it's very it's just natural to me. And so I feel like that's a gift.
0: Yeah. So did your your first album came out in
1: 2019? Is that right? 2018, I think. Oh. No, wait, maybe it was. 2000. It's so hard with COVID now. No, it was 2019. You're right. It was yeah, 2019. I'm like, my, you first know single, you... my first single came out in 2018 and then my album came out in 2019. Yes.
0: You're making me think, though. I'm like, when was COVID? Was yeah.
1: 2020? COVID's like messed up my mind. Yeah. So the album was 2019 and my first single came out in 2018. Yeah.
0: Do you think just, um, it, I know it's a conversation that we've had way too much, but do you think COVID really would have disrupted your
1: plans at all? Yeah, I had been touring a lot in 2018 and a lot in 2019. But definitely, of course, you know, I had plans for 2020 and festivals and summer things and everything got moved but I actually think it was the best thing for me really creatively I got to work on my new EP and my next album that's in the works as well so I would say I miss gigging a lot but it was actually nice for me to slow down and get time to work creatively on, on the next bit of music yeah
0: and um and then talking about your the EP that's just come out when you're thinking about a body of work like that How do you make that, like Frigg's that, how did you make the decision that it was right to put out this material now? Does it become a professional decision or more of a personal decision around like, oh, this is a message that I really connect with at the moment and I want to put out in the world and put it out to my fans?
1: Yeah, I think um, I knew that I wasn't going to finish an album this year. And this body of work felt like a collection of songs that really made sense to where the world was at, what I went through and it almost felt like it was like the in-between chapter because I always think albums and EPs they go in chapters of your life they're like little mm. chapters and this felt like a chapter and now I'm entering into a new chapter so I felt like I wanted to get new music out there because we couldn't tour and because we couldn't do much else I, I think it was more like I want my listeners to have something new to listen to um, that they can connect with and, and everything like that. So I just felt like I just, after being in lockdown for so long, I was just itching to get new music out there.
0: Yeah. Having had the opportunity to work with a lot of artists and watch their release process, were there things that you, when you decided to front, you know, the previous album and this EP, were there things that you brought to that process and the journey that you learned from? learned watching maybe what other people had gone through or even what you yourself had gone through in,
1: say, the LA years? A hundred percent. I got to see how I would want to do things differently or how I would want to do things the same as some of the artists I'd seen. And everything I learned so much over that time, I was just like soaking up everything like a sponge. And sometimes you even learn too much and you get to see too much of the inner workings and that can be of the business and that can be harmful to the art side but I've tried to always keep it about uh the arts the making good art and it being about the music and nothing else but um I definitely have taken things from from what I've seen and what I've been around
0: yeah I had um I don't know do you know Shingy who is she's an artist herself but she was also in the uh, the Noisettes oh amazing yeah so I had a, I had a, a very long conversation with her I think it was on the last season of the podcast but she was talking about how when she was um when she signed her first deal she got a lot of things that on the outside would have been amazing opportunities with it kind of being in the room with amazing musicians and huge producers but where she found it very intimidating because she'd be kind of the only woman in the space often the only black person in the space and then everyone would kind of turn to her as the songwriter and the artist and be like right so what are you feeling emotional about at the moment that she'd be in these spaces, so she felt like they weren't creatively fruitful spaces for yeah. her, despite on the outside it being like, wow, how cool you're in these amazing studios. Yeah. Did you have similar experiences?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was mainly when I've been a songwriter, I've been in rooms of just men and me, and maybe a female artist, but mainly like sometimes like five men and then me. And, uh, I've experienced that a lot of the time for my artist stuff. It's very me. It's very much me and the producer. Cause I actually find it quite hard to write in rooms with more than three people. Cause I think it's a lot of people, too many people making decisions and it can, it can, it can be great for a certain type of song and crafting a song and going line by line and making a pop record. But when you're making an artistic record, you have to feel very comfortable you have to be and I think artists need to lead so I wouldn't have needed a lot of songwriters telling me what I felt or trying to you know get stories out of me because that was all kind of me steering the ship as an artist and all my favorite artists are like that they don't write with many people at all so um but in songwriting scenarios I've been at writing camps where I've been the only woman with like 20 men um and definitely felt that boys club mentality and definitely felt like I had to fight to be heard. And it was almost like sometimes the process of those songs is like you fighting to be heard as a woman or you be feeling really insecure or intimidated or not comfortable at all. I also have been in rooms where I've been with guys and felt very comfortable that are like friends of mine. So I've kind of experienced every way that every way, every yeah, all of it.
0: Yeah. If you were going to give advice to someone who was entering the industry now, what advice would you give them?
1: Just in general?
0: Yeah. And maybe just some th- of some of it is probably things that you've just learned from from growing.
1: Yeah. My main advice would be a lot of new writers are trying to get into the A-list rooms. Like, how can I get in with Niall Horn? How can I get in with John Legend? And what I would say is when you're beginning... Don't focus on trying to get into the A-list rooms. Make your room the A-list room. Find like-minded songwriters and producers who are at the same level that you're at. If you're beginning, build a community around yourself where you guys all lift together and rise together and have success together. Because then you'll be the rooms that people want to get into. Like I always give the example of Phineas. He wasn't writing in the A-list rooms, but he is the A-lister now that everybody wants to write with. So make your rooms the rooms that people will want to be in. And build your name that way with a, gr- a group around you, a community around you who are passionate and driven and will rise with you. Um, and that's like one of my main pieces of advice. And then trust the process and always let your talent be the main thing that speaks for itself. Like don't be thinking you have to go to all the parties and do all the fake things. Um, you know, let your music, let people hear your music and be like, oh my God, who wrote that? And let that be what is the, your talent, be the driving force of what gets you further and further. Just nurture the creative relationships that you, that get the best out of you and keep nurturing those relationships. Mm-hmm.
0: You mentioned that you like working in smaller groups. I was just wondering what your perfect kind of creative setup looks like if you could paint the scene like is it a studio is it uh just any room with a
1: piano do you like candles like what's the vibe I think I'm more about energy than like what the room has to look like um I'm more about people energy and being around people who have a good vibe and are nice and have a good conversation is always my biggest inspiration And mainly I like just me, a producer and a musician, maybe, um, or me, a producer and an artist or me being the artist and a producer. And I really just love to have conversations and get to know someone or just hang out and chat as friends or go for lunch. And then the song just ends up writing itself and feeling very comfortable and just not no pressure. That's kind of my favorite scenario. Finally, I just want to kind of, look forward um yeah you
0: mentioned you're working on an album how far ahead do you plan your releases generally
1: I'm normally a few years ahead actually like I'd written my first album like three years before it came out okay but wow. I, but, but I had added a few songs right at the end you know and then this you know the EP was like written a year before it came out or maybe a year and a half And then I'm already working on my, this album. So I'm normally like a year ahead of when things will come out. How do you manage
0: your patience around that? Because when you've written something, you're not like, I just want to get out.
1: I don't know. Yeah. Like you do sometimes, but you know, sometimes you have the ideas all written and things aren't finished and you take, I normally write everything. And then I spend that year really getting it right and crafting it and producing it and doing different versions and getting it kind of right. So it's like the magical part of the song is in, you know, when the idea comes out and then you kind of have to get it ready and make everything cohesive and get your artwork and get your videos and everything like that is kind of, so there's plenty of stuff to still be doing before you want to package it right and have it all kind of cohesive and, and, and ready to go together so, yeah, I, I don't really I like to take my time with it. There's no rush. I always want quality over, you know, quantity and let's just release this now. I like to really feel like it's been given time and like love. A lot of the time, what success I've had as a writer has surpassed what I probably would have put down as a go. Like mm. I have a song coming out with Diana Ross in like I think it's next week. Wow. I never would have. Put, I never would have put her <laughs> down as a goal. You know, I never would. Have yeah. been, you know, so my main thing is I like to have creative goals, different types of songs. I'm thinking of writing ideas, like creative ideas, creative stuff. But I never am too rigid with myself, where I'm like, I have to make this amount of money, or I have to make this exact career thing, because I think in the music industry, it's such a roller coaster ride and it's up and down and you've got to just buckle up and be ready to go on this journey. You know, it's never going to be, it's up and down all the time and it's very, it's not the most stable of jobs. So I'm always just trying to stay um, creatively inspired. And so my goals are more like to keep me creatively inspired what can I do in my life to keep me creatively inspired those are my goals because then that's when I write the better songs I think Mm.
0: and then one question I wanted to ask you which is maybe a little bit different and it's very much a female question you're obviously pregnant at the moment yes congratulations thank you has being pregnant has it has it changed anything in your mindset
1: yeah definitely because before you're pregnant you're only thinking of you know really yourself or you know i have my fiance and you know there's not as much you're not thinking of you're thinking of yourself and your career and your relationship and um, when you're pregnant you're about to be a mother for the first time and you have this whole new purpose whole new life purpose and um, so it changes everything as far as You're thinking about what way you want to raise your child. And, you know, I used to all be career, 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 career. And um, I think you can still be career focused, but you also then are making space for this whole other purpose. And being a mom, I think is, you know, one of the hardest jobs and the most important jobs you could ever have in your life. Mm. So for me, success, I've always said that success to me is not necessarily money or fame or hit records. It's like having, it's raising a a, a family and having a family because that is, it's so hard. The world is so difficult and so many obstacles that come your way with fertility and health and and everything like that. And then you're figuring it out together with your partner, how to raise a child because you've never raised a child. So it's like Mm -hmm. that to me is going to be the real success of my life really is being a mom. Are you a reader? Like, are you reading lots of books on it or? Yes, I actually have one on my lap right now, the positive birth book. By Millie Hill that I'm reading and I, cause I am one of them people that, um, you know, once I get my mindset into doing something, I want to know everything about it. I want to have all the knowledge cause knowledge is power. I want to do all the classes. So we've done like the baby first aid class and the antenatal classes and the breastfeeding classes. Like, so I'm just going all in cause I want to have as much knowledge as I can to just, you know, be able to know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as much as possible. As much as possible. Even though I know when she arrives, I probably will be like, ah, I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out.
0: Yeah. Uh, Ritan, thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. It's been really, really interesting. Um, if people are thank listening you. and they weren't previously familiar with you and they want to kind of look you up, where where's the best place to find you?
1: Um, you can go to my Instagram this is Ruthanne. You can go to my Spotify, just Ruth-Anne. You can go to my Twitter and Facebook. It's all just, this is Ruthanne or Ruthanne. Um, and you can follow my journey, my music journey, my motherhood journey. Um, I'm very strong advocate for endometriosis and women's menstrual health and stuff like that. So I talk about that a lot on my pages as well. So you can come follow me for all of that stuff.
0: Yeah. Really important stuff. Thank you for being open about that. Thank you so much and thank you so much for listening, guys. I will see you next week.
1: What up, let <laughs> we, we
0: keep our eyes on the prize, if no surprise, good women with destined to rise. Inspiring, celebrating, uplifting the new generation. Some hot girls, we you know the vibe, or the hot girls come alive. Some hot girls, we you know the vibe, all my hot girls come alive.